This is episode number 305 with Vienna Ferron. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Vienna is the founder of Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy and is one of the most sought-after licensed therapists in New York City. She has a way of leading people back home, connecting deeply to their needs and helping people connect to their voice in order to create the change they wish to see in themselves and their relationships. She is the relationship expert for Motherly and has been featured in The Economist, Fatherly, The New York Post, and Vogue, just to name a few. And she is recognized as one of the great relationship influences of our time. Pretty cool, huh? So you can imagine, I love relationships and I was so excited to have her on the show. We chat about so much goodness. We go deep. We talk about how her conflicting and painful childhood made her who she is today the importance of properly dealing with trauma and how you can do that, why modern couples are struggling to stay together, how to avoid passing on trauma to our children and future generations, the tools you need to allow your relationships to thrive, my fight fast technique. You guys are going to love this. It's such a great technique and it has helped me so much. You're going to love it. We also chat about how to build complete trust with your partner, why vulnerability will lead to richer and more loving relationships, how crystal clear communication and a fun switch on perspectives will help improve your relationship with your partner, the one thing you need to do before you make any decisions, plus so much more. This episode is jam-packed with goodness. Whether you're in a relationship or not, you will get so much out of it because it applies to all of your relationships. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 305. Now, before we dive into this incredible conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Squash Sparty, and it's a five-star review titled Incredible. And she says, Beautiful Melissa, your podcasts are incredible. I love listening and look forward to them each week. As a busy working mom of three children, your podcasts are really therapeutic, full of inspiration, positive energy, and motivation. Your amazing guests are informative and offer a wealth of information. The valuable tips, wisdom, and positivity have been life-changing and is truly helping me become the best version of myself. 
A huge thank you for all the positivity you are bringing to my life and to the world. Keep up your incredible work. Thank you so much. That is so sweet. Thank you, darling. I'm so grateful for your kind review. And as a little thank you gift, I want to send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. This goes for anyone who leaves a review. Just email me a screenshot to hello at melissarambrosini.com and I will email you my wildly wealthy guided meditation totally free as a little thank you gift. And if you want to get my Bursting with Love guided meditation also, you can leave a review on Amazon for either Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both and send me a screenshot and I will send that over. Guys, honestly, I don't think you understand how truly grateful I am for everyone who has left a review on Amazon or on your podcast app because it just means the absolute world to me. It lights me up and it helps spread the message of the work that I'm doing. So thank you so much. I'm truly grateful and I love, 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 love you guys. So now let's dive in. Let's get this party started. Let's bring on the incredible Vienna Farron. Vienna, I am so excited to have you on the show today. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh my gosh. I had a macadamia nut latte and then also a daily harvest smoothie. I don't, do you know daily harvest? No, what's that? They're great. They send these smoothies in a cup that you keep in your freezer and then you throw it in with some, you know, for me, I have to do nut milk, but throw it in with some nut milk and blend it. And you have a quick breakfast on the go. I love their stuff. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm I'm not even trying to plug them right now, (laughs) but their stuff is good. Yum. I'm still thinking about the macadamia latte. Hello. Yum. Delicious. Yes. So good. (laughs) Now, you are one of the great relationship influences of our time. So how did this all happen? Can you take us back and tell us how you got to where you are today doing this wonderful work that you do? Mm, well, what a honor to to hear that. That's so, so sweet and kind of you. You know, I, so I've, I have spoken about this quite a bit and my sort of origin story around coming to this work was my parents getting separated and then ultimately divorced. The separation started when I was five years old and their their divorce went on for nine years. And I I am an only child. And so I, you know, was witness to a lot of turmoil and you know, the early, middle, and final stages of, of a divorce process. And I grew up in the 80s and, you know, just going through the court proceedings and witnessing and watching two people who I cared and loved for deeply go through something that was incredibly wounding and painful and traumatic for them. And I became very interested and curious in relationships from a pretty unevolved space. I think I just wanted to safeguard my own, right? I think when you watch your parents or people close to you go through something so challenging and difficult and you see the pain that it causes and you also experience your own pain through it, you will try to do everything in your power to avoid it 
from happening to you again in a different way. And so sort of this path of opposition, I we might get into this later, but this idea of taking a path of opposition or a path of repetition. And, and for me, it was in the beginning something that I opposed and wanted to make sure that divorce was not something that was ever going to happen to me. That, you know, I think the process around that has has changed drastically for me. Obviously, I don't want to get divorced, but there's so much more freedom and peace around it that there is a deep understanding of what goes into making relationships work and long-lasting relationships and what is healthy and functional versus what's unhealthy and dysfunctional. And, you know, just living my life brought me to this work because I don't think we get the training <laughs> that we need. I had to go to graduate school <laughs> to, to get that training, to get life's training, because we don't always have the people in our lives, our family systems who are teaching us about relationships. Oftentimes what they are teaching us is unintegrated stuff. And it's they don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to navigate conflict and they don't know how to talk about intimacy and they don't know how to do these things with us. And so we don't get the education and we don't get the tools that we need in order to move through relationships in a healthy way. And so yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is my story that brought me to the work. And then through the work, you know, I evolved what my motivation was behind it. So that's, that's a quick <laughs> rundown of my early life story there. I love what you mentioned how, you know, some people go the opposite way or some people repeat that pattern. And I see that a lot as well. You know, whatever your parents played out, you either replicate the exact same thing or you do the complete opposite. So I love that you had the level of awareness to see that that was something that you didn't want to mimic. And not everybody has that level. Well, we all have that level of awareness, but not everybody can see. So I just wanted to honor you for that because that's huge and it's shaped and shifted the whole course of your life. Yeah, it's, you know, I think I didn't make that switch until later on in life. I think a lot of us can recognize that we do want to take a path of opposition, but we don't do it from an integrated place, right? So if you think of a swinging pendulum, it's either we do find ourselves repeating patterns because we're we're not awake or we're not aware of the patterns that are getting repeated, or we know absolutely not, I will never do this. I will never have this happen to me. I will never be that person. But we swing that pendulum all the way to the path of opposition without doing the work to figure out how do I place this and how do I lay this down, right? How do I actually integrate this into my life? So it's not just a swinging pendulum into the space of where I'm rejecting all of this. Because if we are rejecting those things, then they're not really within our own control. The path of integration is the work that we have to do, even if the outcome of the path of opposition is actually the outcome that we want. And it's why it's so tricky. We can say, you know, if we had an abusive parent, we might say, I will never be an abuser. I will never do that. And the outcome of that makes so much sense. Of course not, right? That looks good from the outside. But if we don't do the work to integrate it and know why not, right? Why not? Where does this land for me? What is the work for me to be actually be 
a healthy communicator, to be someone who's able to set healthy boundaries and know where my boundaries lie or, or whatever it is that shows up in that space. Because a lot of times when we swing into that space, then what comes along with it is that we don't have a voice in that example, right? I'll never be an abuser, but what comes along with that is I don't know how to say what it is that I need to say, or I don't know how to, how to stand up for myself in the way that I need to stand up for myself. And so I just stay quiet, right? And so we have to find that path of integration to say, I know where this line is. And I also know how to both honor myself and honor the people around me. And I know why I'm doing it, right? The why becomes very clear. Mm, absolutely. And there's definitely no hiding from the data that half of all of relationships are ending in divorce or separation. So what is going on? Why is this happening? And what can we do about it? Because I don't think anyone enters a partnership going, I want to experience a very tumultuous separation, a very energy draining, expensive separation. You know, no one enters a relationship thinking that. So what is happening that almost half of every relationship is, is ending this way? And what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. Well, and even more relationships that are staying together are also unhappy or disconnected. Which no one enters that as well and saying, I want a disconnected marriage. You know, no one says that. Right. You know, sometimes, you know, we might make some type of covert exchange that, you know what, if I have X, then I'll be fine if we're disconnected. You know, there are some people who might make those exchanges. If I have this lifestyle, but it means that I never see my partner, then then that's okay. But I, I think that you're right. Most people are not going into a relationship wanting to feel disconnected and wanting to have it end or have it end in a tumultuous way. I think, you know, it, it really goes back to what I was saying before, that we don't have the foundational work and tools to be able to navigate relationships. We're bringing people together who have a life trauma and wounding and pain and programming and conditioning and biases. We're bringing people together and then saying, okay, go ahead, figure it out and make sure that you do it in a loving way and connected way. And that desire is strong, right? Like we just, we don't have these tools and it is hard. We, we have people who have such deep and rich stories. And in those stories, there is pain and there is hurt and there is wounding and there is trauma. And even if it doesn't, you know, sometimes people look at their life and they say, I had a really good life and there's nothing to complain about or, you know, compared to so-and-so, I I really didn't have any trauma. And when we move into the space of trauma or wound comparison, as I like to put it, we start to minimize and shrink our story and, and really bypass what our programming and what our conditioning is and what the stories are and what the implicit and explicit messages are that we received over a lifetime. And so, you know, when you say, why are we getting to a place where relationships are ending? I think the, the easiest, most straightforward answer is that we don't know ourselves well enough. 
we're not awake to our programming and our conditioning and our biases and our trauma and our work. We don't, we're not aware of it enough. We don't have this self and relational awareness and the tools to dive into doing this healing work of the self and this healing work with our partners. We get caught up in the same old fight. We get caught in the same patterns. We get locked and we want to protect ourselves more than we want to listen and hear what's happening to the system, right? And all of these things take us away from this joint work, this teamwork to be able to navigate the conflicts and the hardships that come our way. Totally agree. You know, when we have to go and take a driver's test to get our driver's license, and I'm not sure what the process is like to get your license in America, but you have to do some tests to get your license, a written test, and then also it's a multiple choice, and then you have to go and do the physical exam. And I feel like we need to do a relationship exam before we get married, before we like get into, you know, this huge commitment with another human being. Like there needs to be that level of self-awareness and a little bit of work that's been done before we enter into this partnership. Imagine if, you know, we had to take a test, you know, we had to answer these questions before we said, I do. And I feel like, you know, maybe there'd be a little bit less separations in that case. (laughs) Yeah, it requires us at this point to do the healing work for ourselves. Because if, you know, we often talk about how it just gets passed down from generation to generation and that we're carrying and holding and storing the trauma and the unintegrated work from those who came before us. And it's so important for everybody who's listening to do that healing work so that it doesn't get passed down. And it's not, you know, yes, to your own children, if you, if you plan on having them or if you have them, but even if you don't plan on having children or don't have them now, the trauma and the pain, it gets passed outwards, right? It, it gets passed along to the person standing next to us. It gets passed to the friend or the partner or back up to a parent, right? And this is, it's why we have to dive into this work and really look at ourselves and bring awareness and do everything it is that we can to awaken ourselves to the healing that needs to happen so that we can essentially create the framework and the foundation for those around us and for those to come to be set up in a healthy, functional way. Besides doing the inner work ourselves and really taking ownership and committing to that, What are some other things that we can do? What are some other tips, tricks, tools that we can add to our toolkit to really help our relationships thrive? Yeah, unfortunately, there is no shortcut when it comes to this work. But some of the things that we can do are journal, meditating, breathing work, taking time to bring your awareness to presence. Right. That's, that's it. Because when we become present to ourselves, then we can start to observe ourselves. And so, you know, of course, as a, as a therapist, I am a big believer in therapy. You know, I think it's a beautiful space for people to come and do this deep dive work and have someone who can shed some light and challenge some of the blind spots. But, you know, obviously therapy isn't for everyone and not everybody has access to it and there are limitations there. And so if there are, I think it's finding resources 
you know, I have a couple of free journals that are great prompts around relationships, whether you're in one or not in one currently. And it's just using those those resources that are all out there for us to actually start bringing attention and awareness to ourselves, to start challenging the stories, the narratives that we carry around with us to see if they get to stay or if they have to go and get tweaked a little bit. But if I had to give you a few, it would be journaling, it would be breath work, it would be some form of meditation. And, you know, sometimes people, I have a lot of clients who are like, I hate meditation. <laughs> and like, totally, like I, I get it. It's not, some of these things are not for everyone, but it's finding maybe your meditation is in photography, right? Maybe your meditation is going to a workout class where you absolutely drop into the experience and you remove distractions. It's turning off your devices so that you are eliminating the distractions in your life. Right? When we start to to incorporate a practice of moving distractions out, then we have a beautiful chance at getting deeply present with ourselves. And when we do that work, we get to meet these parts of ourselves, these these parts that are sometimes in hiding, sometimes locked in our unconscious, you know, and that's where we get to bring a lot of it out. Yeah. And those things are free, you know, journaling, meditation, breath work, that's all free. You know, you don't have to go and do anything like that's all free and you can do that in your own home. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Blue Blocks. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love wearing my blue light blocking glasses every single day because they help alleviate digital eye strain, keep your hormones balanced, and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. I love Blue Blocks because they are backed by science and made in Australia, which means they are very high quality and not mass produced. All their glasses come in readers, prescription and non-prescription. And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code Melissa at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. I feel like before we get married or before we enter a relationship, we almost need to sign a contract that says, I, Melissa Ambrosini, commit to doing the inner work, to showing up as best as I can. I commit to taking responsibility for how I'm showing up. And yeah, I just feel like, imagine if we signed on the dotted line for that. And then your partner did the same because I feel like when you enter a partnership, it is about two people coming together who are willing to do the work themselves and to experience whatever it is their relationship is going to teach them because there's three entities in a partnership. There's me, there's my husband, and then there's us. And so I have to make sure I'm working on me. I'm moving through my stuff. He has to be responsible for his. And then we have to work on our relationship. I always say that the grass is greener where you water it. And if you want a relationship to thrive, and I'm not just talking about romantic relationships here. I'm talking about all your relationships. If you want a relationship to truly thrive, 
then you have to water it like a plant. Otherwise, what happens if you don't water a plant? It dies. And if you're not watering your relationship and giving it love and time and energy and the right amount of sunlight and tending to the soil, then it will die. And so for me, I'm so deeply committed to my marriage. I'm so deeply committed to it being the best that it can possibly be. I'm always doing my own inner work and he's doing his. And then sometimes we have to do stuff together. And that is how we have created a beautiful conscious relationship. And I actually was chatting to someone yesterday and she said to me, well, surely you guys fight. Like surely there's something, you know, and we have done a lot of work. Nick and I have done a lot of work, but I'm not saying that it's all rainbows and butterflies. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. But what we have gotten really good at is, and I don't usually use the word fight, but we fight, but we fight fast. And so we might say, oh, and that upset me and da 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 And then he'll be like, okay, yeah, and you did this. And then are you over it? Yeah, I'm over it. And then we kiss and hug. It's like we fight and we fight fast and we get over it. Where in the past, I would have held on to that for weeks. Or I, I know I've held on to things for years from different relationships. And what that does is it takes up space in your mind and takes you out of the present moment and it causes stress in the body and a whole host of other things. But one of the tips that I just wanted to share was like, you know, express, because we're not about sweeping things under the carpet. I don't want you to sweep your anger or your frustration under the carpet. Absolutely not. But try this fight and fight fast. It's like, oh, that annoyed me so much. And da 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 da. And then you just move on, get over it. Like we're hugging or we're laughing like two minutes later. And it's funny, like, you know, just to get over it quickly and move on because you don't want to take that into the next day or even to the next moment. I think, you know, what it sounds like you have with Nick is that there is a deep sense of trust with him, which allows you to actually move through it quickly or that actually in the core of it is I actually know that you love me and care about me and that my experience is just as important as your experience and your experience is just as important as mine is and that I trust that you care. I trust that you understand. I trust that you get it. I trust that you hear me and see me and acknowledge me. And when I have that, then I am able to move it along. You know, and it, it, it doesn't have to linger and it doesn't have to, to hold and take up space and, and create stress within the body. Like you were saying, I think what can be really hard is when there is a dynamic where that isn't present, where we don't trust that the other person actually understands us and connects to what it is that we're saying, that we don't trust that the person is integrating what's happening and that it's not going to happen again, that we don't feel witnessed, that we don't feel seen that we don't feel heard, that we don't trust what is actually happening in the other person's experience and that they're not thinking that what we're going through is just as important as what they're going through. So I think, you know, what you're describing that that you have with Nick is so beautiful. And I think it does allow for when you have this healthy partnership and you have this healthy foundation that we are absolutely able to move through these types of conflicts or these 
I know you said fights and, and maybe that's not your favorite word for it, but these fights in such a way that it doesn't hold and take up space. That said, I think probably the reality for a lot of the people listening is that they may not have that sense of trust in their partner. So how do we build that trust? I mean, I think it's, that's where it comes back around to, to doing that work to say, why is it hard for me to hear and connect and understand your experience and vice versa? What feels threatening about it? What blocks me? What gets in the way? What is the, what is the risk if I listen to you? Do I fear that you then won't listen to me? Was I a caretaker in my family of origin? And I did a lot of the emotional regulating for someone else, but nobody ever listened to me. Like, a lot of this will come back to our trauma and our wounding and some type of threat response that says it is too dangerous for me to trust that you're going to listen to me or it's too dangerous for me to listen to you because when I have listened to people before, X, Y, and Z is what has happened. Right? Like a lot of times when we are, when we can't process through conflict differently, right? When we have the same fights and we find ourselves in the same patterns and we just can't loop out of it, even though we know that we're doing the same stuff over and over and over again, right? Like when we step out of it and we can talk about it from sort of just an objective stance, right? Most people will say, oh my gosh, right? One, what we're fighting about seems so silly a lot of the time. Two, damn it, we're having the same exact fight and conversation, the same pattern. Why can't we get out of it? And the the answers to that are our programming and oftentimes trauma that hasn't been processed. And so when we have these threat responses arise, right? There's a story that says, I need to protect myself at all costs, right? And protecting myself oftentimes means not listening to you, defending myself, needing to prove my own point, needing to make sure that I don't fall into a role in which I've been before where I haven't been heard or I haven't been acknowledged. And, and so when you say, what do we do? It's, it's awareness, it's awareness, it's awareness. It's doing the work. It's, it's bringing our attention to our programming. It's bringing our attention to our threat responses. It's recognizing what happens when we are in conflict. Are we okay with confrontation or not? Do we run from it? Do we fight harder? Do we shut down? Do we flee? Do we just please the other? Right? What comes up for us? And so, yes, I love what you and Nick do. And I think you have this beautiful foundation where the two of you can stay in the conflict or stay in the fight and face each other. And you have your little tools that work. But the reality of it is for so many people, that is not where they're threat response goes because they don't have a trusting dynamic either with themselves or the other person that feels strong enough to hold what the fight is, right? When we go into it, do I believe that we're going to get to the other side or not? And just even thinking about what that thought is, right? Like my husband and I, I would say that it's somewhat similar to you and Nick, although we can go for, we can go for a while sometimes. But, but I would, what, what I would say is that no matter where it begins, I always know that we will move through it. And I always know that he cares 
as much about my experience and that I care as much about his as the other person. And so even if it gets funky in there and, you know, we can be stubborn and I like to prove my point and he likes to jackhammer a point home. <laughs> we have, we have nicknames for each other when we start doing it and, and we can absolutely go in that space and we can, we can fight like anybody else. But I think it's, it's knowing that we will absolutely move through it and that even when we're in it, we are on the same team. And I think knowing where that thought is, right? What's my belief about what we are about to do, right? What am I telling myself? What is the story that I am telling myself when I enter into this with you? And if you check that, right? I think a lot of times we'll see that where the outcome lands is going to be pretty consistent with what that story is and where it begins. Mm, yes. And I love that you spoke about the trust because no matter what, we will get through it. And I know that deep within our relationship as well. But I feel like trust is built when we're vulnerable, right? And so it's like this little tennis match. Okay. This is how I visualize it. So someone is on one side of the tennis court and they make a serve and that's them being vulnerable and sharing. And then the other person receives it and maybe they take a step closer and you get closer. And then that person shares and then the other person runs forward and gets that serve. And so it's kind of like you're moving closer toward each other and you're trusting each other more, but that gets built the more vulnerable and honest you are with each other. And I know for us, definitely, it's been the more we share, the more we open our hearts, the more we speak our truth, the stronger that trust muscle between us gets built. Like it gets strengthened and strengthened and strengthened the more open we are. And I learned a lot from Brene Brown's work about vulnerability and shame. And I love one of the sayings that she says, and that is the story I'm telling myself. And so with Nick and with my friends as well and with my family, I use that now all the time. The story I'm telling myself is because you didn't write back that you don't love me anymore. Or the story I'm telling myself is that because you don't say thank you after every night I do the dishes and make dinner that you don't care that I'm, you know, doing all these things, whatever it is. And that little phrase, the story I'm telling myself has changed everything for us because it then brings the responsibility back onto ourselves instead of, well, you never text me and you never thank me. And then that becomes an argument. It's like, well, the story I'm telling myself, and we can go into the, where that triggered. The story I'm telling myself is that you don't value me because, you know, I watched my mom do everything around the house and my dad never say thank you. And she felt undervalued. And, you know, you can kind of be open and honest and vulnerable and share where that trigger came from. But that has changed so much for us. Just that little phrase, the story I'm telling myself is. Yeah, I, it, the prompt is is such a powerful prompt. It's been it's deeply rooted in narrative therapy, so it's been a, around for for quite some time. And I think exactly what you've what you're saying is that it, it gives us an opportunity to check, to check in, to check ourselves, and to give the other person an opportunity to to check it as well. Sometimes the story is correct, 
and oftentimes the story is incorrect. And we're, we are great little meaning makers. Let me tell you, we humans, oh my goodness, we can make meaning out of anything. We attach stories. And we will. Oh, and we absolutely will. And here's the other thing is that we will create whatever story it is we need in order to prove the bias that we have, right? And so if we want to make sure that you are not showing up as a partner, I'm going to find everything, everything there is that's going to support that, right? I can find and manipulate any data and any evidence to make it fit the story that I have. And that's, that's what's so tricky about us, right? Is that if we are not checking our biases, then we will often find ourselves going down a really dangerous path. But yes, that prompt, it's so powerful. And it's, it is why I love you know narrative work so much because we name it and we say it out loud and we say, hey, this is what's going on for me, right? And, and then the person responds and says, oh my gosh, well, that's, you know, that's not it at all. Or help me understand that. Or why did you jump to that? And it gives us an opportunity to actually go deeper, like you were saying, deeper into our vulnerability, deeper into our origin story, right? So when I say origin story, what I mean is where it started, right? Where I, where I first experienced this or where I first witnessed it, right? And maybe I saw, you know, mom doing X, Y, or Z, right? And it, it, it starts to give ourselves and our partner a much deeper and richer context around us. It allows them to see some of our wounds. It allows them to see some of our trigger points. And this tennis match that you were talking about, there's a there's a quote that I that I once saw that I thought was so beautiful. And it said, an act of vulnerability met with an act of surrender. This is how lovers meet. And I was struck by it because I think it really depicts what it is that you were describing in this tennis match is, you know, we all know that vulnerability can be hard and it's, it's tough because there's a threat and there's a risk that winds up happening and we do it, we do it, we blindly do it, we go for it. And then the hope is that the other person then surrenders back and that we keep building on this vulnerability exchange and the surrender exchange. And, you know, whether the surrender comes before the vulnerability or the vulnerability comes before the surrender, I think the point is, is powerful is that I take a risk. And I love what Brene says is that, you know, you, the, the person has to earn the vulnerability, right? They have to earn the risk, the chance, right? That we don't, we don't just do it with anyone, right? She says, that's just oversharing, friends. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, like, like make sure that there's a line there, right? Don't just go into a first date and all of a sudden, here's my entire story and then wonder why they don't want to come back, right? That's, it is too much, right? They haven't earned your story yet. And so we do have to be careful and we do have to protect ourselves. But once somebody earns that story, Okay. Once somebody feels safe enough, once somebody starts to show a little bit of interest, right? We, we try it out. We try vulnerability on and maybe we share a story that, you know, maybe isn't our deepest, darkest story, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it's lukewarm <laughs> and we, we test it and we see how that person responds and maybe they respond with a story of their own. And you're right. That is how we build it. And when we have a trust in our ability to get vulnerable, to surrender to one another, then there is a deepening of trust and a deepening of intimacy, right? Of going innermost with ourselves and with each other. And when we trust ourselves and the other person to do that, then I do think it builds a narrative that says we can do any of this. We can do it even when it's hard. 
I want to do it with you even when it's hard. Mm, Yes. Not the grass is greener over there, so I'm going to pack my bags and leave. Well, no, I want to move through this stuff with you. And if we can move through this, we can move through anything. And listen, sometimes right? Like the grass might be greener somewhere else, right? You might be in an abusive relationship. You might be in something that is deeply dysfunctional and toxic. And this person is not standing shoulder to shoulder with you. And that the work is, how do I honor myself? How do I set a boundary? Sometimes the work is, how do I leave? And that, yes, somewhere else with another dynamic, you might be moving into something that is much healthier. But I do think that if we are talking about fairly functional relationships. It is about how do we start standing shoulder to shoulder and doing this work with each other because we have the capacity to do it if we lean in and look at ourselves and are willing to face ourselves in each other. Mm, Yes, yes. Is there anything that you and your partner are working on within your relationship at the moment? Like how long have you guys been together? What are you currently working on right now? Yeah, we, you know, we've been together for three years and we, you know, we, we actually do work together. And it's been an interesting, like working with the person who is your partner. As in working as in your job, or do you mean internal work? Yes. Right. Yes. Sorry that we, we sometimes see clients together. We do retreats together. We, you know, we have programs together and it is a very interesting power struggle sometimes and who leads where and who surrenders where. And, you know, I think especially in the work context, a lot of times it's really easy to have expectations of each other. And it's funny because, you know, we, we talk about this and, you know, we teach it and we, and we preach it. And usually we're pretty good at, you know, walking the walk, but I, you know, you can catch yourself sometimes having this co, you know, I talk about covert expectations, these hidden, silent expectations and agreements that we have of the other person or of the relationship, but it just hasn't been spoken out loud. Like I haven't put language to it. I haven't put words to it. I haven't externalized it, but I am holding it inside of my head. And I certainly expect that you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And I have found myself doing that when it comes to the work. Like I think that you should know to do this, (laughs) you know, and already when I say it out loud, you're just like, obviously that's not, that's a recipe for disaster. But I think it's, you know, sometimes navigating those things where you have this expectation of why don't you do it the way that I would do it? Oh, it sounds awful coming out of my mouth, but right? Like we have this idea. And listen, this is so relevant for anybody living together and working together and just like (laughs) existing together because it's the same thing. Why don't you clean the house the way that I would clean the house? Why don't you think to pick up this at the grocery store when I would think to pick this up at the grocery store, right? Like we have this idea that the other person somehow shares our brain with us (laughs) and that if they loved us or if they knew us well enough, they would just do it this way. And so I think it's just this constant practice of naming the things that need to be named, moving the expectations and agreements out so that it's not covert, so that it's not hidden, so that I'm not internalizing something and essentially like setting somebody up to get it wrong and fail. And people don't like to fail, (laughs) you know? Like people hate failing. And when we don't name the things and put them out there, that's a really easy way for someone to let us down, even though they're not 
actually. And you know what? They can't read our mind. I remember like going, well, why don't you just know? Well, how is he supposed to know? Like they can't read our mind. And I had a spiritual mentor that said to us years ago, you know, he was telling us this story about his wife and it was frustrating him that every morning she would leave her coffee mug with like her tea bag in it on the side of the sink. And he would walk downstairs and there it is, like this coffee mug on a saucer and this tea bag hanging over. Like, why couldn't she just put it in the dishwasher? Or why couldn't she just clean it up and put it away? Like, why did it have to be left out? And then he decided that, you know, he said to her, you know, you know, do you reckon you could put it away? And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it kept on happening and kept on happening. And he was like, okay, so this is really frustrating me. I need to resolve this within myself. And so he was like, I need to change the way I look at this. And he walked downstairs one morning and he saw the cup and he just thought, imagine if that cup wasn't there. Imagine if she wasn't in my life to put that cup there. Imagine if something happened to her and she was no longer able to leave that cup there. And that just hit me in the heart. And I was like, wow. And so Nick and I now have this little joke. I'll say, (laughs) I'll say something like, so, you know, we have like this beautiful joinery and whenever he's not here, there's no handprints on it. And I'm like, when you're here, there's handprints all over it. <laughs> and he, and I'm like, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that there's your handprints and they're there every time you're here. I'm so grateful. And he'll say the same thing to me. He's like, I'm so grateful that you leave that there because if it wasn't there, that means you wouldn't be in my life. And it's just a little funny perspective shift on something that we can get so stressed over and worry about and you know, they're just little things. And in the big scheme of things, like, does it really matter? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love that reframe. It's, it, it is, it, it hits you right in the gut and it does shift your perspective. And again, like shifting the story around it, I would rather have you in my life than not. And if that means that there are certain things that I have to practice accepting, Right. And, you know, obviously we're talking, if it's a tea bag or handprint, you know, we're not talking about these massive things that, that may cause a lot of resistance, but right. That like, what does it look like to, to accept and, and let go? Right. And is, is that my work right now? Right. Like what is, is holding on keeping me in my suffering or is releasing, allowing for freedom and peace? You know, that prompt is, is one. I often bring up to, to clients of mine is asking this question of, is what I'm about to say or do going to lead me to suffering or lead me to peace and freedom? And when you ask yourself, right, before you send the text message or before you, you take an action or, be, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're about to say or do, to really just pause, right? Here's that, that presence to self again, right? To pause and say, is this going to lead me to suffering, right? Is there 
tension and frenetic energy and is there chaos and suffering here? Or does it lead me to some type of freedom and peace? And when we ask ourselves that question and then we get our own answer to it, then we're accountable and responsible for what it is that we're choosing. We don't like to do that, right? That's why people don't like to move into awareness because then accountability, responsibility, and ownership have to come along with it. You know what I mean? Like it's when we start to do this work, I think, is it the Maya Angelou quote that says, you know, like once you know better, you have to do better. It's like, no, now you're awake. You, if you if you name it and if you say, if I'm going to send this text message, it is absolutely going to lead me down a path of suffering and I'm going to choose it anyway, <laughs> that's on you, right? Like that's that's the hard stuff is that when we awake, when we awaken, when we bring ourselves into our awareness and we know that if I do this or choose this, here's what's going to happen. And then I either have the option to choose it or to pivot, right? Then we become responsible and we have to either choose accountability or not. Yes. Kind of same sort of thing with food and alcohol, you know? It's like, are we going to choose to eat this? Are we going to choose to drink this? And am I okay with the outcome or the repercussions of that? It kind of, that mentality drip feeds out into all the areas of your life. So I love that. I love that phrase. It's you know, is this going to lead me to suffering? I love that. I have to interrupt this juicy conversation to tell you about today's epic sponsor, BetterHelp. For those of you that have been following me for a while will know that back in 2010, I hit rock bottom and ended up in hospital with my health taken away from me. I was dealing with a whole host of physical health issues, which you can read about in Mastering Your Mean Girl, But I was also dealing with some mental health issues from anxiety, panic attacks, eating issues, and depression. So that was the first time I started seeing a therapist, which helped me so much. From there, I have worked with so many coaches, counselors, therapists, and mentors who have all been very supportive for my growth and evolution. This is why I'm such a massive fan of getting support when you feel you need it. Some people think that you have to do this thing called life alone, but let me tell you, you don't. You don't have to do it alone and reaching out for support is okay. In fact, it's very brave and courageous. This is why I love BetterHelp, which connects you online to over 4,000 licensed therapists, counselors, and caring professionals that specialize in the issues that you want to talk about. Now, another epic thing is that your sessions can be done via video, phone, chat, or even text if you don't feel comfortable doing a video conversation or even a phone conversation. And you can communicate with someone within 24 hours, which is great for those times when you feel you really need to talk to someone quickly. And sometimes booking in with someone in person can take weeks. I know that's been the case for me. And all you need to do is fill out the form online and they hook you up with the best person for your needs. How awesome is that? And we are giving the MA Tribe 10% off your first month with the discount code MA Tribe. And if you're currently struggling with something, please reach out and get support with better help. 
All you have to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA tribe to get your 10% off. And remember, it isn't shameful to ask for help and support. It is actually incredibly brave and courageous. So please reach out if you feel you need support and help right now. Head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA tribe. Now let's get back to this conversation. Now let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. What one book would you choose? Wow. Oh my gosh. That's such a hard question. My like therapist brain is going to like all of my school readings. <laughs> but honestly, I, I think probably like some because I'm trying to think of something that is so important for for kids, you know, where it's like teaching about vulnerability and teaching about shame, right? Like just the things that come up for kids so much. I mean, there's, there's so many great books and books that will, will lay out the principles. My dear friend and colleague, Dr. Alexandra Solomon, her book, Loving Bravely is, is so good and so straightforward and so easy to read. And it really talks about building out healthy relationships. But yeah, I mean, I think that Renee's approach is so well received and and so well liked that that would probably be a a great one to have in curriculum. When I was at Northwestern, they have changed the name of the course now. They've updated it, but when I was there, there was a a course called Marriage One Hundred and One, and it was it was for the undergrad students. So I, I got to TA it and. It was, you know, these 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, they had to take the class in, in partnership with someone else. It did not need to be a romantic partnership. They had, they took it with a partner. And the whole course was about how to create and build out healthy relationships and the things that you need to explore within yourself and how you observe you know the family system in which you grew up and the conflict styles and boundaries and healthy communication and you know sex and intimacy and all of these things and it was such a powerful course to have in the curriculum because we started just talking to you know late teens and you know young adults about the things that they need to practice in their real lives day in and day out and certainly believe that we need to have more curriculum for you know for younger kids like it doesn't need to start in university i think that this is something that can start much earlier on but i was just i just it really stands out to me it comes along with me with how important that course was and how meaningful it was and it was a I think it is it probably still today remains the most popular elective at, at Northwestern. It, it certainly was when I was there, and I don't know if that's changed over time, but it's an incredible course. And I wish that more more universities and more schools were starting to bring in curriculums that taught about how to feel your feelings and how to understand what's going on in your family and how to communicate and how to set boundaries and how to express yourself and how to move through conflict. You know, like these are the things that we need desperately in order to navigate life well. So 
Uh, this is a big answer, but uh, gosh, one book, Melissa, come on. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's just so wonderful and and such a great communicator of such important things. And yeah, I mean, vulnerability, that's a that's a good one to to start and kick off with. So I'll stick with that one. Absolutely. And we'll link to Daring Greatly and Loving Bravely, which you mentioned as well. We'll link to both of those in the show notes so everyone can go and check those out. Okay. So I want to hear about your morning routine and how you set yourself up for the day and how your day unfolds. I know no two days are ever the same, but I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day. So can you kind of talk us through a quote unquote standard day in your life? Totally. Yep. So I I do try to wake up around the same time every day, but every once in a while, it's a little bit off. I start my day with Palo Santo and I'm really about scent. So, so actually starting my day and then closing my day is really important with scent. And so Palo Santo and I get the diffuser, the diffuser goes overnight, but I also get it going in the morning as well. And I just, I cleanse the space and breathing that in really just shifts my mindset and, um, it just allows my mood to be calm and at peace. And, you know, certainly go through the pretty standard, go to the bathroom, shower, wash my face, all that, all that stuff. Connor and I try to have coffee together in the morning if we can, if our, if our schedules align, which is really nice. We, we have a great latte maker in the, in the home and we'll sit, we'll sit in these two chairs that we have and just connect for a few minutes. Honestly, even if it's just five minutes without devices and without distraction and it could just be about the day. It could just be about something that's going on in our lives. But I love being able to just take a few minutes aside and connect without the distractions. So we'll have our coffee. Sometimes I'll have my daily harvest smoothie. And, you know, sometimes what gets cycled through, maybe I'll get a workout in in the morning, although I will go afterwards if like I don't have to work out in the morning, but I'd either work out or, you know, take some time just to myself, whether that's in meditation or breathing or just no devices. And I try to wake up with enough time so that I'm not rushing. And then I get to walk to work. I am about a 12 minute walk, which is so nice. And never feeling rushed. I live in New York City, so never have to jump on a subway. I know that as long as my legs are working, <laughs> I will get there in that amount of time, which is also so nice to not have to worry about that. Same thing with the scent in the office. I get the Palo Santo, the diffuser going, and I see probably eight to 10 clients a day, which which is busy, right? So I see maybe 35 to 40 clients a week. And I, oh gosh, I love the work. It's such an honor. And people say, oh my gosh, you get exhausted from it. And, and I don't. I have 
I have such incredible clients. I have such incredible people, people who are open to doing the work, who want it, who are receptive and want to be challenged and explore and, and they want to dive in. It is rejuvenating. It is an honor to do this work with people. And especially when you have clients who want to do it too. And it's, I, you know, I love people's stories. I remember details of people's stories. I, I care about people's stories and you know, it's, it's not about, oh gosh, you have to hit, listen to people's problems all day. No, I, I get to listen to people's resiliency. I get to listen to people who are doing the work to heal and to, to create healthy functional change in their lives. I, I have, I have a great job. <laughs> you know, I, I have a really amazing job and I get to do amazing work. And so, you know, that's, that's sort of what the middle of my day looks like. And, and then sometimes I'm on panels or I'm speaking in the evenings or there's events and workshops and, you know, that can be changed out. But my, my regular day to day is, is what I just described and we'll eat together at night. Again, the cleansing of the space with scent, I take my time with that as a tip and thing, as something that I think couples can do together is it's not something that Connor and I do every single day, but we, we do like to do it forehead to forehead or just looking at each other in the eyes, holding hands. And the prompt is something I want you to know is, and we'll say that prompt three times. And it can be about anything. It can be about the person. It could be about what's going on at work. It could be something that we're upset about. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a validation of the other person in any regard, but we just share three things and it, and I say three things in a row. I say, you know, something I want you to know is X. He says, thank you. I say the next thing. He says, thank you. I say the third thing. He says, thank you. And then he goes and he tells me, and it's just a beautiful way to have non-distracted, intentional, deliberate time with each other. And the practice, it, it only takes five minutes. You're not asking questions. You're just saying thank you, right? You're just saying thank you for telling me. And you may want to go into more of the details at some point, but it is a beautiful practice of connection. And especially when people are strapped for time, you know, if you have kids or you know, there's just a lot going on. A lot of times people say, I just don't have time to connect. And I think that's a cop out. I think that every single one of us has five minutes in our day to deeply connect with ourselves, with, with a partner, if we have a partner and that we can be intentional and not distracted. And if that's what we've got to give for the day and it can't, you know, we just, it can't go beyond those five minutes, then at least we've, you know, we've had that moment of connection and prioritization. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you, you hung, hung along in that, that daily practice, but yeah. That's so beautiful. I love, that's a really powerful love building exercise. And, you know, it's not about, using the excuse, I don't have time. And this goes for every area of your life, you know, your health and building relationships and your work and your passions. It's just about your priority. What Instead of saying, I don't have time, you you must replace that with, well, it's not a priority for me. And just be honest about it because we do all have the same amount of time in a day. And for someone to just get the fast food or not connect with their partner, they're saying that health isn't a priority for me. 
And that we need to be really honest with ourselves about. Otherwise, we're just kidding ourselves and not being truthful. That's right. And listen, there might be, you know, a one-off from time to time where there is actually something that's going on in your life that is more of a priority to you. And if you can say that out loud and that that tastes okay in your mouth, then you know you're aligned, right? Like if I had to say, babe, I'm so sorry. It, it's just not, it's not a priority. I have to get this other thing done. Right? And that, and I hear myself saying it, I taste it in my mouth and it feels okay. Then I know that what it is that I'm having to prioritize really is a priority for me. But if you say that out loud and it doesn't feel okay, right? Then you know that you're out of alignment, right? Then you know that something is up and why don't I want to make this a priority? What is my resistance here? What is it that I'm rejecting? What is it that I'm blocking? Right. So I, that's it's such a great prompt to Melissa. Yes, absolutely. Now I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Okay, let's hear them. <laughs> All right. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Get present with yourself. Beautiful. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Check the story that you tell yourself about wealth. Yes. And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Understand why you might be blocking it. Mm, Yes, 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 yes. So beautiful. This has been so beautiful. And you have shared so openly and honestly, and I'm so grateful. And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? I mean, I think just that every single one of us can absolutely have a healthy, functional relationship, both with ourselves and with others. And it it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter if you didn't have models in your life that showed you what that looked like, that we all actually have the capacity to create it. Some of us might have to do a little bit more heavy lifting than others, for, for sure. But I think it's important for people to hear and know that having a healthy relationship is not reserved for some people. And not for others. And even if you don't have the tools, you have the capacity to integrate the stuff that is out there because there is a way to move into that space if you want to do it. And so I think it's just important for people to know that this isn't this isn't something that only some people get. This is for you if you want it to be for you. And it might mean hard work and it might mean that you have to get uncomfortable with yourself and you have to confront things that you might rather not even look at. But if you're willing to do that, you can absolutely have a healthy functional relationship both with yourself and with and with others. And you know, I, I think like I have a lot of tools and resources, certain things that are that are free that I think Melissa, you're you're planning on giving your audience in in the notes, retreats that I host. I have a we're relaunching a program. It's a six-week course that is called Get the Love That You Want. It's a really powerful course that starts in in September. And it's 
it's so good for doing this work. And if you're not about going into therapy or you like to do things in the comfort of your own home, this is this is certainly a course that I would that I would recommend. It's heavy hitting. It has you looking at things, challenging things that maybe you haven't thought about before. And so yeah, that's I guess I'll I'll leave it with that and <laughs> and close there. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Everything, all the magic that you are working on, we'll link to all of that so you guys can head there and get all of this amazingness. And I just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge you and to thank you for the work that you're doing in the world and for your time today. You are such a light and I'm so grateful that there is someone out there like you that's just blazing this trail and supporting and helping so many people to really step into their true self and to create the relationship that they truly desire. It's really beautiful. And I'm a massive believer in service. And so I want to know what I personally can do and what the listeners can do to serve you today. How can we serve you? Oh, wow. Well, I, you know, I think it's just a interesting question. This is, it's so funny how revealing it is, right? To like receive something like that. I'm always in the space of being the giver. <laughs> what you can do to support, honestly, is is just continue to spread the work because I think that the more people who get to access it and the more people who get to experience it, the more that it does actually serve others. And so, you know, whether that's following along on social media or whether it's, you know, sending programs or newsletters or forwarding things to people you know are going to benefit from it, right? That's that's the best thing that anybody can do to support and, you know, lift this work up. So thank you for that. Yes. Oh, so beautiful. This has been awesome, honey. I'm so grateful. Thank you again so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us today. We are very grateful. Thank you so much. And I loved spending this time with you. Me too, honey. I loved today's conversation. I'm always looking for ways to deepen my marriage and continue to work on it because when I signed on the dotted line to marry my husband, I committed to showing up, to doing the work, to moving through whatever it is that comes our way and to being the best version of myself so that I can show up as the best partner. So I got so many great reminders out of this episode. I hope you did too. If you loved it and got loads out of it, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to email me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissaambrosini.com. And as a thank you gift, I will send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at melissaambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. So please come and share them with me. And for everything that Vienna and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 305. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock.
Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.